Hey everybody, thanks for joining us on the podcast. I'm here with Anna Kitko. Hi Anna. Hello. Thanks for joining us. We were doing the math. I think this is now the fourth time you've sat in that chair <laughs> and helped us with podcasting. Sure. So I appreciate it very, very much. Um, we're going to jump into, in a minute here, um, what you've got uh, planned for the upcoming Ratio Christie Community Night. Uh, but before we do that, tell us a little bit about, uh, you've been teaching a class on evangelism. Mm-hmm. How's that been going and um, how, how's, how's it being received? I know you've got some challenges built into the curriculum. So how's that, how's that coming? It's going. We, we got all the way through hermeneutics yeah. and assessing all of the different ways you could really mess up interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we learned how to have reality disclose itself to us as opposed to have us insert what we want about the world to be true mm-hmm. into the text. And so now, exegesis, eisegesis. Yes, yeah. yes. Or or as I like to put it, exegesis and narcissesis. Oh, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, which happens a lot. Uh-huh. But especially how to identify uh, the distinction between an actual sermon mm-hmm. and a motivational speech. Mm. And how to start tracking how often motivational speeches are going on and the pulpit is being used to feature a mm. pastor as opposed to a pulpit being used to feature the Lord. I see. That's my favorite stuff to teach. Yeah. So we've gotten through all of that and now we're on to the deep psychology stuff, which is huh. flooring me because everybody is enjoying the details that I thought were uh-huh. going to be very boring. So I'm trying to go through it quickly and they're like, <laughs> Oh, the psychological yeah, stuff. Yeah. And we only have so many nights because the, the culmination uh-huh. of the class is to go to the Kingdom Hall and Middle Settlements for uh-huh. Passover uh-huh. Um, in order to minister to the Jehovah's Witnesses here in town. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to, we haven't even gotten to Jehovah's Witness theology yet. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> so I'm like, guys, we gotta, uh-huh. we gotta, let me, let me move on. Let me, uh-huh. But it's fun that then they're doing all the readings. Yeah. I am floored. I've had people ask for extra. How about it? So they're into it, and I'm thrilled because evangelism philosophy is one of my favorite things. Yeah, so a lot of uh, a lot of good teachers' pets in this in this class. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, and they don't even have to impress me because the only reason why I'm teaching this class is because my husband made me. <laughs> really? <It's laughs> just, I, I said I can't. It. I can't handle any more classes. He's like, yeah, but I need you to teach evangelism theory for me because he's been wanting to go do uh. some on the floor theology and sneakers kind of stuff. Yeah, and I'm really proud of him, and I think it's awesome. And I was like, if you don't, him. if you don't make me design slides, and I can use what I've already done, uh-huh. I'll teach any class you want. <laughs> so he's like, go okay. for it. Anyway, we're having a speaker come in that's a Jehovah's Witness, ex-Jehovah's Witness, okay. so that they can train us on what it's like to be on the other side, yeah. training like we are, uh-huh. to anticipate objections. Yeah. And then we're sucking it up, taking our Bibles and going to the Kingdom Hall so that they mm. can have their first Passover experience, which is extremely cool. Mm. Very odd. Yeah. Yes, especially for Christians to see who have never been around um aberrant groups Mm -hmm. it's it's sad and it's interesting and Mm -hmm. um i'm excited yeah i'm really excited good well i'm glad you're teaching the class sounds like a good kind of challenge my mind went somewhere when you you said narcissus which i've never heard that term before but are have you read are you familiar with the christopher lash stuff um culture of narcissism no i don't think so it's an older book but it's it's a little it's a little thick for me you'd probably it's probably a beach read for you, Anna, but I have to really kind of slog through it. But um, he, his premise is like, hey, maybe, maybe we have like a fundamentally narcissistic society, and maybe narcissism isn't something that affects one to two percent of the population. Um, maybe, maybe it's Habitual. way more ubiquitous than that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ooh. 
I hope you're wrong, but it's, but it's pretty compelling. It can be summarized in the question that every Bible study knows. And it's, what does this passage mean to you? Uh Uh-huh. Yes. (laughs) Like, why is that relevant? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's well. we've been talking about that a little bit in Galatians already, Mm trying the distinction between, all right, let's make sure we figure out the first century stuff before we start extrapolating some 21st century stuff. All right. Well, enough of that stuff. Uh, let's let's jump into what you have uh, planned for the, the upcoming. Things. Yeah. Which when when is it? Do you twenty sixth? The twenty sixth. So soon. It's yes. Coming. He's coming. Yes. Um, yeah. So that would be for when this. Yeah. This coming. This coming Sunday. And it's what time o'clock? What time o'clock? Seven p.m. Seven p.m. Mm-hmm. There we go. All right. So what do you have on the docket for? The 26th at 7 p.m. Yes. Our spring Russia Christian Community Night, so you're obviously aware we do a systematic study normally in the fall where mm-hmm. all the talks have a overarching theme so you kind of know what we're studying. Mm-hmm. And the spring is always kind of the standalone, catch-all, random, we can go anywhere with it. Mm-hmm. And it's up until this point, it has usually been like the really difficult subject matters, mm-hmm. the questions that like you fear being asked yeah, like, by the... family members, like why is there evil and suffering in the mm-hmm. world? How could God have allowed these sorts of things? Um, Stump what... the apologist. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so we've anticipated that, but this one is special to me because this is, this is the talk that I have prepared the most for out of all of the talks I've ever given mm-hmm. for you guys. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's so personal and it applies mm-hmm. to almost everyone I'm meeting Mm. Um, and the questions have never has, I can't get away from this topic. Okay. So I decided to just kind of jump in deep dive. Yeah. Let's just build my house there then. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be talking about the new apostolic reformation okay. and it's going to be dealing with what the heck is going on with like, why are people interested in Bethel, a mm-hmm. church in California mm-hmm. and what's the deal with apostles and prophets popping up everywhere? Mm-hmm. And why are we suddenly hyper concerned about exorcism and being mm-hmm. demonized and then inner healing mm-hmm. and prophets pro- prophesying where you have a prophet capital P in each church? Mm-hmm. Like where is this coming from and why is it suddenly here? Um, that's what we're going to be talking about. That's the overarching theme, asking questions yeah. about that movement. And I will be explaining the context for that. Yeah. So there's some, we'll get to, but some concerns around that movement. But it's interesting. You listed some things that I know you, th- you are all about. Like, hey, I'm, I, you recognize that people are demonized in our mm-hmm. context and that deliverance is, in, is, is needed. And, Absolutely. Um, I, I've lost it already, but you went through a list of inner things. Inner healing. Yeah. Inner healing. That's right. So these are things that like God, that God does that we don't, but there's like a, there's a change in the tone of the conversation is what I heard you saying. It's a, it's not yeah. that these things are new or that these things are necessarily bad, but there's a new conversation that's building up that feels different and is gaining momentum. Is that a fair? Very much so. So it's more like, Yes, that's that's entirely fair. It's it's that the the normative frameworks for talking about continuation and the, mm-hmm. the spiritual giftings and all the things that we're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a movement that is completely separate, using exactly the same terminology and yeah. very different definitions. Yeah, and they're not they're using the fact that they're using the same terminology and loading the language differently. There you as go. their way into charismatic circles, and it is not the same thing mm-hmm. at all. And okay, so just for a little terminology, continuation—that's folks who believe in the ongoing um, uh, operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, correct? As opposed to cessationists, right, yes. who believe that they have ceased. Yes. 
Um, and so there's a language that's built up around continuation. Mm-hmm. And that language has been around mm-hmm. and it's for a while. Mm-hmm. And now people are sort of using that language and tweaking it here and there, yep. applying some new freight to it. Yes. And as a result, it kind of is slipping into circles that already have that language. And it's almost like a, it's a Trojan horse situation, isn't it? Which yes, they're, very much so. They're bringing in kind of with this newly freighted language, some ideas that, that may not be altogether um, orthodox. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And something that we have seen the church deal with before. With okay. a movement called Montanism, which we can get to later if we need to. Okay. But the point is, is that the bishops dealing with this material, it took them 600 years to get it out of their congregations. Uh, that's a long, it's that's a, a very good long, long time to be <laughs> sifting poison out of your Bible studies. Yeah. Um, and that's why I want to go, do you know what? I have to face the Lord someday. Mm-hmm. And he's decided that this is my job. So I'm just going to, since I know this, I'm just going to teach people mm-hmm. and we'll see what happens. Yeah. And like you said, this could be particularly relevant in our context because we are a, a group at the Vineyard. We are continuationists. We mm-hmm. believe those, these things are still ongoing. We're charismatic. Mm-hmm. And so we have a lot of this language, mm-hmm. but then it doesn't necessarily, when we hear these words, it doesn't necessarily mean what we think they mean. Yes, precisely. So let's do some of the work to try to parse that out a little bit. Got it. Got it. That seems very relevant. So the shorthand for this is is NAR. Yes. New Apostolic Reformation. Reformation. Mm -hmm. So can you give us sort of like the history, a bit of a Mm -hmm. how we got here? So, yes. So with the charismatic movement, which started technically in the mid 1800s and then culminated finally in Azusa Street in the 19 early mm-hmm. 1900s mm-hmm. and then moved on through the four square movement with mm-hmm. um Amy Simple McPherson and all that stuff that's right um we get to the 1970s and this is when we have the Jesus movement material coming in mm-hmm. and kind of really easily fitting in to discussions that were already being had about the move of the Holy Spirit Okay. okay, so that's kind of their general framework. In the 1950s, if we back up just a little bit, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that was occurring was the regular major prophecies were being made. And I'm saying prophecy, capital P, like this is a vision sent for me by the Lord mm-hmm. to deal with North America in particular and what he was going to do with his people in North America. Mm-hmm. And one of the big prophecies was called the prophecy of the three streams. And it was the belief that there were going to be three major, uh, let's call them spiritual hubs, that were going to unite together to bring about a reformation in the Martin Luther 1517 style way. But they weren't named. In that way, just in the sense that it's a huge? Major, major new epoch for the church. Got it. Church history. Yeah. Okay. And he was going to, this this major overhaul was going to reinstitute some new framework that had been lost. That was kind of the expectation. Okay. But it wasn't talked about spe- specifically what it was exactly. Mm-hmm. And so this prophecy's kind of just been sitting there for a while. People mm-hmm. reference it and it was, you know, it's post-war. So that was interesting to have the charismatic churches be the churches where our veterans wanted to go when they got home. Mm-hmm. You know, that was very powerful. That's yeah. how a lot of the congregations built. Um, and so that was kind of sitting there. And then we get the seven mountain mandate, mm-hmm. which is a prophecy about 
um, the world being divided into seven spheres of influence called mm-hmm. seven mountains, like government and arts and education and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that it was the duty of Christians that we were supposed to focus on taking over, literally, physically, mm-hmm. these seven mountains. Yeah. Like making sure that we're present in every iteration of human existence. Yeah. And the goal was, of course, predicated on the idea that the eschaton, the end of the world, was something that we had a say in how quickly it would come about. So, so long as we were obedient and coming alongside the Lord, he would show up when we had accomplished the seven mountain mandate. And the seven mountain, mountain mandate, basically, if we had, by we, I mean Christians, if we had uh, leadership in all of those, those areas, mm-hmm. we would essentially be like, dominating the entire world Correct. like we're we're like we're winning everywhere yes. in order for that to yes. and and Dominion. that is language that um man american types really love we i think but man we love to win i love to win it's fun mm-hmm. to win but well i mean you go to our church you've heard me talk about this a lot lately but we're really obsessed with the idea of winning by domination mm-hmm. and conquering mm-hmm. and that's just not the way our Lord defines winning or conquering, mm-hmm. and it's not by means of. It just it sounds very contrary to the way of Jesus when you frame it up in that particular way. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, we're going to dominate everything and win, and some. And if and if that end means the eschaton and the renewal of all things and all the best stuff, then almost anything will justify. Almost any means can be justified toward that end. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very problematic. Yes. Yeah. We move from obedience to potentially coercion. Yeah. Which is a huge distinction that has to be made. Because mm-hmm. um, it's the Lord's in charge. We aren't. We do what he asks us to because right. he asked us to. That's uh-huh. the answer to that question. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not because we have some game plan that the Lord is going to insert himself into and follow our lead as opposed to us following his. Yeah. It just sounds so much like the expectation that just sounds so opposite from last of all, servant of all. And instead it's, it sounds like a new iteration of the first century. We need to conquer the Romans by force. And then God, then, then the Messiah can come. Yes. This has been all done before. Yeah. All right. So I interrupted you to just highlight that. Quite all right. Quite all right. So the culmination of these two things, as well as Israel becoming a nation mm-hmm. in the 1960s and that being viewed, mm-hmm. um, or yes, the 48, but then mm-hmm. the, the, what is it? The extra war in the 1960s. That was a really big deal. Yes. Anyway, um, all those things coming together and then arriving at the Jesus movement, which was seen as like this overhaul, cultural overhaul mm-hmm. of um, hippie culture mm-hmm. coming to the Lord in this new and profound way. There's a movie about that that yes, people can watch. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Lonnie Frisbee uh-huh. and all of that. Um, all of this kind of culminated in a discussion, a theological discussion between the original founder of the vineyard mm-hmm. and the founder of the guy that coined the new apostolic reformation, uh, C. Peter Wagner. Mm-hmm. And the discussion was, how is it then that we are to proceed? Mm-hmm. It, do we proceed by looking for the fulfilled prophecy in mm-hmm. these things, the prophecy of three streams and the seven mountain mandate? Um, or, are we to view the world in the two kingdoms framework as opposed to dominionist framework mm-hmm. and that those prophecies are vague enough that they haven't been tested. And so we should watch and wait, mm-hmm. not 
run headlong into this it has to be truth. Right. And therein lies the initial disagreement. One side said, you're being faithless. You're not trusting these clear prophecies. Mm-hmm. You're not stepping into the idea of the latter rain, which is a reference to Joel, the prophet Joel, mm-hmm. and that the latter rain was what they believe to be right now. Yeah. the Wagnerites mm-hmm. um, versus the other side that said, no, Peter said that was a fulfillment in his day. Yeah. Um, so that. that's the problem that mm-hmm. you're interpreting it that way. Mm-hmm. And one side said, you're not as faithful mm-hmm. as we are and you're not willing to be courageous on behalf of the Lord. Yeah. And the other side said, you're being um, headstrong and willful and really mm-hmm. unwise and we need to hold up on this. And that became the discussion that we are dealing with now, that we are 50 years past and, that point. And so, really, this is in the early days of the vineyard, yes. right? And so, this is a conversation between John Wimber mm-hmm. and other leaders in the vineyard. Mm-hmm. And you, you said the Wagnerites. The I Wagnerites. like I, That seems like a good, uh, um, a good, a good term. Um, and so, let's clarify. You said these are the. Let's clarify which of the two, mm-hmm. which which side was the vineyard side, and which side was the, the vineyard, Wagner, based the on what you said. The vineyard side, as far as as far as I understand it, the vineyard side was staunchly two kingdoms. Mm-hmm. So we went over the Christian the Christian nationalism talk, the difference between dominionism and two kingdoms. Yes. So I won't go too in depth with that. But the point is, we're not supposed to take over the world. Right. The world is supposed to be our mission field. Yes. And we are to view ourselves as ambassadors of a kingdom that is mm-hmm. not here. That's right. Versus the other side that says, um, no, we are supposed to take the earth on behalf of the kingdom. Uh-huh. And that's how we're supposed to view our role. Yeah. So we have that distinction. And mm-hmm. then we have the other distinction that says the Wagnerites said that the offices of apostle and prophet had been lost. Mm-hmm. We are, and that the Lord was reinstituting them, which means that the Ephesians segment that mm-hmm. talks about the fivefold ministry yes. is not um, different giftings. It's actually a hierarchy of power Yes, with the apostle at the top mm-hmm. and the teachers at the bottom mm-hmm. and the hierarchy you are supposed to fall in line mm-hmm. with the authority that God is giving certain people. Yeah, And so you have the reinstitution of the office of apostle and prophet. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be looking for these people. Mm-hmm. It is a permanent gifting. Mm-hmm. And at some point in our lifetimes, we should see the prophecy of the three streams being fulfilled so that North America can be the dominion yes. of Yahweh. So um, that distinction, that's part of what you said earlier. You said a capital P prophecy. Cop- capital P prophet, yeah. <laughs> so, and so there, you hear that capital A apostle and capital P prophet. Will mm-hmm. you explain what you mean by that and how that fits into this? Yes. So we're looking for people who hold an office kind of like president or secretary, things like that. So you would have the apostle would be the president, the guy in charge, the person who makes the calls, the person who receives revelation in a big way, in an earth shattering church movement, vision casting sort of way. And he should be always accompanied by a prophet Mm. who is getting regular prophecies whatever they are in a, in a lesser form than the apostle who is bringing those teachings. So those are the guys, the apostles not necessarily going to give a sermon on Sunday. The prophets are, Mm. and they're going to speak into the lives of the local congregation Mm -hmm. in a way that is personal and gives you direction for your day directly from God, Mm -hmm. even to the point of who to vote for, Mm -hmm. what to eat. Um, what vibration is necessary for your life and your health, um, where to go to get, 
clinical care, all right. of those things. And you are to humble yourself before these offices uh-huh. in order to bring about the eschaton because that's the way the Lord has decided to do this. Versus, those are the Wagnerites, mm-hmm. versus the vineyard that said, nope, mm-hmm. please don't do that. <laughs> yeah, That's not, that's, we don't, we have zero evidence that that's something that the Lord is actually doing. Um, we love all the charismatic giftings, mm-hmm. but that sounds really kind of quite scary Mm -hmm. and we have some issues with some of the prophecies Mm -hmm. and the fact that the people who gave the prophecies their characters are questionable yeah and we're not sure that this is an appropriate way to be reflective of Mm -hmm. the holy spirit um and so we're going to separate from you and that's what happened in toronto yes with the toronto blessing yeah so um it sounds like so in, in in my mind, when I think of a capital A apostle and a capital P prophet, I think of the original twelve who were mm-hmm. with Jesus, or eleven of the twelve, and then Paul. Right. Um, and I think of the people who have whose names are ascribed to books in the Bible who were prophets. I think capital P. And I think that's closer to the, these capital A. A, apostles and capital P, prophets, that's closer to what you're talking about or Mm -hmm. the way that group understands those roles. But the way you describe the way those roles function don't sound a lot like how the capital A, prophets in the Bible and the capital A, apostles in the Bible actually functioned and as far as the day-to-day governance of people's lives. Well done. Seems like. Yes. So this movement would be considered. It is. Oh, very much It's a big flex is what it sounds like to me. Massive flex. Yes. Um, And they... Well, yes, because the expectation is that they will be building networks once they are identified as an apostle or they self-appoint themselves as an apostle. Um, you have to decide, am I going to join the kingdom of God and fall under their authority and do what they say, even to the point of, um, in some circles, they write your sermons for you. Wow. Oh, yeah. Um, but you have prophetic Zoom sessions mm. if you can't access the person so that they can, they can do that. Uh, yeah, you fall in line with their authority. Or you are not faithfully following in what the Lord is doing in our local communities. So there's like a a structure that's being built Mm -hmm. with different sort of domains, essentially, with apostolic authority over these sort of geographical domains. Yes. So are there people... Hmm... How, How broadly accepted is that hierarchy? Like, are there people who would say who use all the NAR language but aren't even cognizant or of the of that hierarchy or how does that cuz it seems like it would be fuzzy it is very fuzzy and yeah. people so you have everything from people assuming the NAR language is simply the vineyard type definition for these things yeah. or the vineyard type understanding and they're using NAR language not realizing that there is a difference. Yep. Okay. Um, you I see, see that, that. You have that element all uh-huh. the time. Yep. Um, then you have the extra element of every single megalomaniac seeing how much power this has, uh-huh. seeing that their geographical location doesn't really have anybody Somebody and vying for the a. slot. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so you're seeing little, you'll see little mini turf wars erupting between churches and calling. That's a lot of power. Yes. And they won't say apostle directly. They'll say apostolic leader. Uh-huh. The apostolic leader of this movement is X person. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's because they have to wait technically for an anointing from a super apostle. An anointing being of the physical laying on of hands that the super apostle recognizes, yes, indeed, this is the geographical hub leader for all of these people. 
Okay. Which is why you see all these traveling, laying on of hands going on. I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so another question then. This is called the New Apostolic Reformation. Mm-hmm. Is that because we're talking about the a very old idea yes. as far as capital A apostles in the first century? Mm-hmm. What is it that it's new? Is it what you said that that it died and now it's Correct. now it's reemerging? That's what Wagner said specifically, and why he said New Apostolic Reformation. These this it is a new iteration of authority for mm-hmm. our epoch, for our era. And why did it go Spirit away? Era. In the first place? It's an excellent question. Is there a time that this no. is when it happened? No, in it's... fact, even that answering that question is a bit hairy, even for Wagner. Okay. Um, so it, it faded, maybe? Or... Yeah, like with most things, you know, we're, we're, we're going to we're gonna fix what's been broken. Mm-hmm. And he would argue that in the same way that the Protestant Reformation fixed what was broken in Roman Catholicism, which mm-hmm. really isn't quite accurate and I can say that because I'm a Lutheran um, coming from that background mm-hmm. but the point is is that he, he viewed this era as no no it's time for another that major a reformation and this is what it's going to be we're going to get rid of all of these different denominational categories okay, and instead we're going to reunify in the way that the Roman Catholic hierarchy was unified uh-huh. under specific hierarchies Okay. So we're reinstituting what was lost over the course of the denominational And that will be by way of three streams coming together. Yes, at least and, in North America. And do their hierarchies go away and merge into one? Oh, no. No, no, no. Oh, no, see. you have... I mean, they talk to, to each other. Uh-huh. But no, they, it's just like they, they would say, if I'm steel manning the position, they uh-huh. would treat it in the same way that Corinth had a leader and Rome had a leader, and Ephesus had a leader, and there has to be some type of breakdown. I you see. don't have, they haven't yet elected Pope, if that's what you're asking. Yes, yes that is no, what not, I'm asking. not quite, although I suspect mm-hmm. that will happen shortly. I, can, I huh. can argue very quickly who is Pope right now based on how many people are, even the super apostles, mm-hmm. mimicking a single apostle. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Fair enough. Okay. All right, so is now a good time to talk about Montanism and how that came sure, into play? Cause, sure, Because is, that, is this a similar version of this happening at another point in history? Yes. Okay. In yeah. fact, it was the first thing to happen to the church that they had to deal with after the apostles had died. Okay. So the very first generation of bishops who had been trained by the apostles themselves, mm-hmm. um, and in some cases... Um, knew themselves, um, like, for example, uh, the, the bishop over Hierapolis knew the Apostle John personally. We, we just, uh, I'm interrupting you, but sure. will you define what a bishop meant in that mm-hmm. context? And to, you know, because that's, that's got a lot of baggage on it. Sure. Yeah. So a bishop was a leader over uh, an existing church. Mm-hmm. So if there was a congregation of Christians in a geographical area, that, had, that person had, a, had a, what's called a bishopric mm-hmm. or bishopric. Um, and for example, like Timothy mm-hmm. could be seen as bishop, and in fact, he was over over Ephesus. Um, and so, these are the guys who were personally trained to run the church mm-hmm. by the apostles themselves, mm-hmm. the original twelve. Yeah. And so, there's a thing called apostolic succession. Yes, and that was that I I have sat at the feet of these teachers, mm-hmm. and I have learned from them directly how it is that the Lord handled these things, and how it is that the next apostles handled these things. Mm-hmm. How did they How did they deal with complicated on the ground theology? Mm-hmm. Um, 
things, very important pieces of information, like what's called the didache, which was mm. the, the teachings of the apostles where everybody was writing down, well, what, what was it like to listen to a sermon from Jude? Like, what did mm. he focus on and how did he do that? Things along those lines and just normal operational. Yeah. Um, so apostolic succession was very, very important because mm-hmm. it demonstrated humility and a willingness to study. Mm. You, were, you were discipled directly. Mm-hmm. You didn't just show up and say, I can run a church. Got it. Very, very, very important. Mm-hmm. And that's when you would have the title of bishop. I see. It meant I have done the work. I have, I I have been tested and I am not found wanting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And this, this, that's where the idea of the Pope's succession it came does. from yes. as Papal well, right? Papal succession is supposed to be tied to apostolic succession. Exactly. Got and it. the same is true for Eastern Orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so that was a sidebar, but I, yes. I, I didn't want us to get too lost no, in the no, terminology. Quite, quite all right, quite all right. Okay, and then out of that, Montanism somehow. Out of that, yes, yeah. the first the first movement. So Montanism wasn't called that. That's the name after Montanus, the guy who did it. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened was we have apostolic succession, the very first generation. So the apostles, the apostles have just died. The new crew is like, well, here we go. Yeah, there's a power and, vacuum, and people act real weird when there are power vacuums. Yes, there yeah. is. <laughs> and um, a new convert, and it's... Um, it was a whole host of new converts, ultimately, that followed him, but had just been baptized. And as part of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, they claimed, roughly just under a week after they were baptized, that they had received special revelation directly from the Lord. Special revelation meaning personal revelation, uh-huh. not public. Yep. Directly from the Lord, that the Holy Spirit had made, had given them special knowledge. Mm. And that one of the special knowledges was ecstatic worship. Okay. And that is the losing oneself in um, everything from mantra chanting to swaying back and forth to a phenomenon called spiritual drunkenness, mm-hmm. where it looks like you're you're drunk on alcohol, but you haven't imbibed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even the phenomenon of babbling incoherently, as far as you could tell, in, in waves and patterns mm-hmm. as you worshipped. Mm-hmm. And something that looks very similar to what we would call glossolalia today. Uh-huh. This was all something, this was the first thing that happened after the apostles died, the first thing that the church had to deal with mm-hmm. corporately. And so Montanus, this man, started prophesying and effectively he was giving oracles and this would be prophecy, capital P, mm-hmm. um, for local congregations on how they were to behave and act. And one of them was, you are not a true believer and you have not been anointed by the Holy Spirit unless this overcomes you in a way that is ecstatic. You cease to function in um, a way that people would identify as um, controlled. So ecstatic worship. Ecstatic meaning um, you're in what looks like a trance. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like possession. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're not a Christian if you haven't been, in some sense, overtaken. Yes. In your worship, such mm-hmm. that you just be acting, behave in strange mm-hmm. ways. Yes. That, and so he had, he had. Yes, absolutely. Every time he'd hold a worship service, uh, the 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 entire service would be there. Wouldn't be any opening of the word. Um, no repentance, no engaging in the sacraments, none of the things that we would expect. Rather, you had an entire group of people corporately uh-huh. swaying and falling. Working and themselves into a frenzy. Precisely. Yeah. A euphoria. And it became very popular because it was so cathartic. Mm-hmm. And in the area where it happened, which was in um, Western Turkey, modern day Western Turkey, um, the culture there was already 
peaked to enjoy that sort of thing mm. because for since time immemorial so this the goddess that they worshipped prior to becoming Christian run was a goddess named Sibylle and she is so old we don't even know what to do with her because she's older than recorded time that even the Greeks and the Romans didn't know what to do, how to add her to the pantheon. Oh, I see. Um, and so they, they give her the title of Rhea, which is one of the Titans. So that's, that predates the Greek gods. Mm. And, but one of the features of her worship was ecstatic worship. And you would, mm-hmm. you would march and you would be drunken in the spirit mm-hmm. and you would be doing these things and you would be laughing hysterically. Mm-hmm. That was another critical component of her worship. Mm. And so the bishops are going around the ancient world, are going, well, charismata is not foreign Mm -hmm. to our understanding of how to do these things. It's testable. Mm -hmm. But what do we do now that these people who are brand spanking new Christians, I mean, I mean that truly, they had just been baptized and they were giving, being told, being said to have had these special revelations Mm -hmm. are now giving oracles to the local church that these things are the proof that you're a Christian. Yeah. When the other Which churches is. were not experiencing those things. Yeah, that's right. And so now the debate begins. What do we do? Do we wait? So he's prophesying, and prophets are supposed to be testable. Mm-hmm. So do we wait till he prophesies falsely and then go, aha, this is, you're, you have done this. You have authored these things mm-hmm. in a culture that has already peaked to enjoy them. Mm. Um and indeed, that's what they decided to do. They decided to wait. Mm. They said, we're not going to call you a bishop by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to kind of watch and wait. And what ended up happening, one of the first signs was that Montanus decided to begin taking money for healings mm. and deliverance from demons. Mm. And access to him became a critical component, meaning that the Holy Spirit's effect was something that was housed in him personally and his prophetesses. Mm -hmm. So you had to go to them, pilgrimage, to them, Mm -hmm. in order to get more Holy Spirit than you would if you were just on your own. Yeah. And for a fee, Uh they would give you whatever you needed. Wow. So it was now transactional. They were the first people in the history of Christianity to pay a salary to their prophets. Huh. And it was a big deal. It was one of the biggest discussions in the early church was uh-huh. we've never taken salaries, mm. not from the general public for access. Yeah. A, a teacher's worth their wages. A preacher's uh-huh. worth their wages. But that's, it's not, you're not, tr- it's not a transaction. You're right. keeping us alive. Uh-huh. We're not, you're not paying for access to us. Uh-huh. But the Montanist you were. Yeah. And the bishops were like, okay, hold up. This does not look anything like it makes what them any of the us keeper learned. of all things that people need and hope for. Yes, but everyone yeah. loved it. How could you? Yeah. Po- how could this possibly not be the great Paraclete we hear about? But the ecstatic experiences really reinforce. Yes, they were. This is euphoria, regardless I, of the source. This. Regardless of the source, you know, because look, though, the my shorthand for it is when when we experience the power of the Holy Spirit, it's. I, I say Anna 2.0 will be able to handle that, you know, but in our current forms, it, look, it has a tendency to sometimes blow our fuses. And, you know, Paul stood up and, or P- Peter stood up and said, we're not drunk as you suppose. Yes. We're just filled with the Holy Spirit. Exactly. So, yes, people behave strangely, but there is a whole host of things that can cause people 
to behave strangely, including group dynamics Precisely. or spiritual forces that may not be of the Lord. Yes. And so there's no way to to trace any of that, is it? Yes. Is there? And, yeah. and then when you start pulling money in as a result and mm-hmm. power as a result, and that starts sounding really suspicious. That's precisely what happened. And it sounds a whole lot like what you're describing is happening at in in the NAR formal movement formal we're experiencing NAR. now. And, and this is this isn't just my opinion. You have to pay a fee to enter the apostolic network. Okay. It's not, you know, I'm not just you know this isn't secret knowledge mm-hmm. you know and it's like and it's thousands of dollars a year mm. which means ecclesiastical privileges now so a title uh-huh. effectively you can purchase you can buy it yeah which is ridiculous and fraud yes that is what that is uh-huh um so there's that problem the uh-huh. money problem then you have the false prophecy problem yes prophecy is supposed to be testable mm-hmm. and indeed these guys are calling themselves prophets with a capital p and are prophesying i mean it's mm-hmm. it's straight up i prophesy xyz will happen one of them is I'll, i could name names because they're willing to do this chris valentin uh-huh. prophesied openly um that donald trump would win the election uh-huh. And he knew for a fact. He said, this is the God's word that he this would happen. Yes. Chris Valentin was wrong. Well, I was about to say, we're talking about the first time that he ran no, or the second, second time? <laughs> so second the second time. time. Yeah. Yeah. Second time. And, and if, when you track, if you look at it, the, the, especially when they're doing it via Twitter, mm-hmm. which is particularly fun, that church history, can you imagine in hundreds of years <laughs> that people are going to be studying Twitter feeds? Yes. That really is real. Yes. It's insane. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, the the amount of deleting and retweeting and altering and mm-hmm. all the people who are tracking those things because mm-hmm. that's precisely what false prophets do mm-hmm. in the history of time. Of course. That yeah. now what do we do? Because you can't lose all credibility. No. Now Especially not yeah. when there's that much money and power Heavens, on the line. <laughs> no. Yeah, what are you going to do now? Oh, you were wrong the whole time? Uh-huh. And so what's happening is... is the, your first line of defense, the, guy, the guys that are the canaries in the, in the coal mine are the apologists because we're cantankerous. We're doing this all the time. <laughs> you know, it's, we're easy to ignore. Totally reasonable. We deserve that, that category. But also, isn't it nice when they're well-trained and checking the fenceless? Mm. That is kind of nice. Yeah. And so like, hey guys, this fence is not just down. This barbed wire has been physically cut. And it mm-hmm. looks like these guys know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. This wasn't an accident. They didn't stumble into this position. This mm-hmm. is manufactured. It's manipulated and it's designed. Mm-hmm. And now how do we retroactively interpret all of the things back to the start of this movement now that we can prove that mm. there's active manipulation going on now. Yeah. And that's where we are today. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So here's the tricky part for me, at least I'm a vineyard pastor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we talked about a, a lot of overlap and language words being used differently. Yes. Um, I have, I believe have seen and experienced Many of the things that are that are being experienced within at least as, aspects and corners of this NIR stuff, mm-hmm. um, and yet I'm diametrically opposed to at least aspects of what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. So, how do people? I mean, this may, I don't know who all listens to this podcast, but mainly this is targeted to the people who worship at the Maryville Vineyard Church. Yeah. Okay, how do we understand? Uh, yeah, give us some, give us some instructions for how to navigate this because, uh, we believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We, and have experienced, we, we understand that people may speak in tongues when they experience Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit, which is some of the features that are, 
yes. at play. Yes, in the book of Acts, but also with the Montanists and also with um, what's happening in AR circles as well, where the spiritual gifts are the ecstatic experiences. I I mean, the language I used is that sometimes the Holy Spirit will blow your fuses and people weep and people shake and, and, you know, there's there's all of that. Mm -hmm. So how do we believe all these things um, and then not get trapped or tricked mm-hmm. in and then find ourselves maybe completely unawares um in something that's actually designed to manipulate or to control or that actually i mean i would the worldview that we're going to create our own dominion and structure that's going to conquer all aspects of the world is very very like fundamentally different than joining god in the renewal of all things and the coming kingdom where the lord um, will make all things new as opposed to we're going to do this ourselves. It's going to be arranged under our power and bring about the eschaton. Mm-hmm. Those are really different ways of viewing the world. Mm-hmm. So now I'm rambling in circles, no, but great. how, how does just a regular old good hearted, sincere vineyard church folk make sure they don't end up mixed up in this? Cause it sounds really tricky. It is. These guys who are coercing are afraid to be tested. Okay. Anyone who is not submitting themselves to the test of scripture and history and scrutiny and we who have experienced these giftings mm-hmm. um, in the spirit know that he does not inspire confusion mm-hmm. and he does not inspire, he doesn't inspire, what's the word I'm looking for? It isn't mystery, but he's testable. He invites us to come talk to him about these things and that's mm-hmm. literally his scriptures. This is consistent with what he's already revealed. Mm-hmm. So if they flee scrutiny, that should be your first red flag. Yeah. And that's a feature of this movement. Okay. They'll go, I don't need to even engage with you. I'm an apostle. Right. That's okay. very important. But implied in that is authority that's greater than scripture, right? Correct. Okay. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and in fact, they would do that. This is, I mean, this is functionally, mm-hmm. this is Roman Catholicism 2.0. Functionally, we've talked about this before, okay. and it's that the apostles get the job of reinterpreting the scriptures because yes. they have new revelation that gives us new interpretation. Yes. So you should expect so that it, they're it, going to to take things and do new things with them. Right. So it's basically taking the scripture back out of the hands of Correct. the congregants. And, and indeed, they do that. Yeah. So, like um, for Bethel in particular, they have they have outright said this that the scriptures are too complicated for the average congregant to even understand or access anyway. So they are already doing the work. They view it as a sacrifice on their behalf to bring the scriptures to you via their interpretation, as opposed to you going to them directly. Yeah, that really does sound like a reverse of the Great Reformation. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, one of the other features is that the Holy Spirit inspires repentance. Mm-hmm. And you'll see churches where you've, you never see repentance ever. Like, not even talked about from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. You don't see a Bible opened at all. There's no robust study of the scriptures. In, and I say robust, meaning they're not just taking half of a verse and being like, this is why we're doing this, is for this half of a verse, and then moving on mm-hmm. with whatever they're doing. Um, in a lot of cases, the scriptures aren't opened at all because they're not necessary to open mm-hmm. from their perspective. So my mind is going other places, so I, I hopefully you can follow the thread. But you mentioned earlier uh, the the prophet who said that Trump would be reelected, yes. right? Yes. And is that person using the title 
like I am a prophet. So they, like, yeah, what, what it is is they won't say I'm prophet Chris Vallotton, uh-huh. right? What they'll say is they'll have 7,000 people. So the, the regular campus for Bethel on a uh-huh. Sunday is 7,000 people. That's not including the satellite campuses. Uh-huh. 7,000 people will refer to you as prophet uh-huh. on the regular and you won't correct them. I see. That's so what's happening. Same thing with Bill Johnson. He'll say, kind of in the water. I've never claimed to be an apostle. Uh-huh. But he won't answer the question, are you an apostle? He won't answer the question. But 7,000 people on a Sunday service, they all call you apostle and you don't correct them. Mm-hmm. That's not nothing. Mm-hmm. You absolutely do believe that you're an apostle. Interesting. Yeah, it's, ga- it's games. It's, it's yeah. slippery, so, odd, forced humility, kind of. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? False I'm, piety. So I'm curious how Anna Kiko would process it if um, Chris Valentin had said when Trump was not elected, had said, I made an error, mm-hmm. I, I repent, I must have misheard, I mm-hmm. must have misunderstood, mm-hmm. I was wrong. Yes, he did do that. Okay. Yes, he did finally. It took about a week, but he did do that. I want to represent him accurately. Okay. So, I, What do we do with him? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You what say do you're you do? totally forgiven. And we, okay. we're not the judge and jury, but you have no business standing up anymore on a Sunday, uh-huh. speaking with authority from the pulpit claiming to still be a prophet and therein lies the problem i see because repentance and humility as far as the scriptures are concerned when somebody does something like that mm-hmm. you are you the consequences you're not allowed to teach the people of god as an authority figure anymore you're I not see. kicked from the church repentance is beautiful uh-huh. and we still love you sit down and be quiet uh-huh. that's the consequence i see Okay, so you're looking for repentance, you're looking for humility, you're looking for um, a a high view of Scripture. Very high. Scripture holds authority as the final arbiter on all issues. These are things. What else might we be looking for? When you're caught lying about a leg lengthening, Uh you repent and you stop. You're talking about Todd Bentley? I'm talking about... um, Yes. No, not Todd Bentley. Um, Todd White. Todd White. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, we caught him. Mm-hmm. We caught him bald-faced. Mm-hmm. He repented. Still doing it. Yes. On film. And still... Does not care. That's not repentance. And is is he tangentially involved in the NAR he's stuff? Or he's, he's in it? No, no, he's like in it. Officially, officially within the structure? No, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's so... To me, this is so hard because the... It's... I, I want I want real clear lines. Who is? Who isn't? How we're do we know? Supposed to have that. Yeah, and it's. And the early church made the clear line be: we're, none of us are going to claim apostle because that has to remain sacred. Mm-hmm. It's sacrosanct that Christ was the one to pick these guys. Mm-hmm. That's not nothing. It doesn't mean we're, that he, the Lord doesn't love us as well, mm-hmm. or that administrative abilities is not a gifting from the Spirit. Mm-hmm. It means that that's a sacrosanct thing that we don't touch. That's okay. what they did. Yeah. And that so let me push into that a little more. So with that in mind, and that being the, the precedent in church history, how do you look at you know the Ephesians 4, the, the fivefold ministry, mm-hmm. which lists apostles and prophets? I mean, how does, and you may just speak for Anna Kiko on this one. But, sure, I can just speak for Anna um, Kiko. How do, you, how do you approach that? Is, that? is that down to what we said about capital A and lowercase a apostle? And, Very much so. Yeah, and so that, let's talk it, about that for a minute. The particular emphasis is, not, is that, that fivefold ministry framework. That's not a promise that's permanent, meaning if you have a gifting, a spiritual gifting that's clearly evident to your local congregation, Mm -hmm. you should not be viewing that gifting as permanent. It's not Mm -hmm. a personality test. Mm 
mm-hmm. right? This isn't a genetic proclivity. This mm-hmm. is a specific gifting by the spirit for however long he wills to do that. And you should not be viewing yourself as that. I am a healer. I am a prophet. As if you own am, the gift you because don't it's own given it. to you. No, correct. And so right. the fivefold ministry is that the spirit is going to provide those that fabric. Mm-hmm. He is mm-hmm. in the local church the way he seems deems it. So someone might be gifted then to do something apostolic sure. or to do something prophetic. Sure. But that wouldn't then make them an apostle correct or a capital p prophet Co- correct and we should mm-hmm. be in mindful of the fact that part of that gifting is the recognition that the scriptures have been preserved we have the apostles teachings mm-hmm. we have never lost the apostles mm-hmm. they've been with us mm-hmm. we carry them on our phones mm-hmm. <laughs> we've never lost them yeah we don't need another set of men who think that they're important yeah being self-important publicly so that's another thing celebrity Mm-hmm. Yeah. The apostles were never celebrities, ever. This is nonsense. I don't know what this is. It's very weird. It's gross. The celebrity culture in the church feels like, I mean, it just feels like we're really missing the plot on some stuff. And, and, and hey, if, if, if a church grows and there's some name recognition, then I, I guess that's one thing. But mm-hmm. intentionally building a platform uh, to, it, it's, it's very unsettling to me. Yes. Okay, Anna, so we've been talking about ways that we can distinguish between some of this NAR stuff Mm -hmm. and what we experience in the vineyard. Mm -hmm. The distinction is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the very clear things is that uh, we will never charge for prayer or access to the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is... uh, goes back to Acts chapter 8. There's a fellow named Simon. Good. Uh, and Simon, as you you know the story, uh, he is drawn. He, he's a sorcerer. People, mm-hmm. exp- he had sort of some sort of access to spiritual power. He did his own sort of signs and wonders. And then it was, was a Philip. Mm-hmm. Uh, through Philip's ministry, he comes to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Says he believed and was baptized. Mm-hmm. And then now... Um, Philip has even more power, right? And now Simon does what? Why don't you pick up the story from there? <laughs> Simon, <laughs> then, Simon goes, well, I want that level of power. Yeah. So let me know how much I need to pay you to receive it. Uh-huh. And he is immediately rebuked for that complete and total nonsense. And the critical component for Simon is that he had, he had habitually done this. He had, was originally a follower of John the Baptist before John the Baptist was beheaded. Mm. He had taken over the 30 mm-hmm. and was successfully convincing a whole group of people that he in, was the person that needed to be followed, not this Jesus character mm-hmm. all the way through Samaria. And is so successful, he even converts the emperor, ultimately. There's wow. a statue erected in the middle of the Tiber River that said um, Soli Deo Sancto to um, Simony. And it's wow. Simon's image. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Big deal. He Celebrity pastor 101. Yeah, apparently. And you had to pay to access him. And uh, he had a special anointing. But the original interchange uh-huh. was him really genuinely believing that that must be how the rest of the guys were doing it. Uh-huh. So how much do I need to pay? I'm quite rich. I've got a uh-huh. significant following. Yeah. Um, what's, the, what's the rate? 
Uh-huh. And they said, "Get the heck out of here! What yeah, are you they, talking about?" And they didn't they didn't push back gently against that. No, something like "May your silver be destroyed" right along with you. Yes. Words to that effect, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And if you if you read some of the accounts of how he died too, they're they're rough. Ooh, yes. Yikes. Okay, yeah. very cool. So the point is, there's very strong language in scripture about uh, that that directly opposes this idea. 1,000% never permitted ever, not even a little bit, not in a suggested amount, Mm -hmm. not in a, hey, but you know, everybody just really took care of you. You know, we we like to suggest, you know, $90 for a prophecy and Mm -hmm. $70 perhaps for a deliverance session Mm -hmm. and um, anything else. If you'd like access to our prayer rooms, they'll be open at 6 Mm a.m. And all those things, Mm -hmm. that's simony. Mm Mm-hmm. This should not, money should not ever be tied to any of these things, bar none, end of story. Always, always, always. Correct. Yes. And that Run. Anybody ever does that run. A very clear marker. Yes. Yes. Even if they're saying other very lovely things about the scripture and about God and him moving in your life mm-hmm. and has great faith and hope and expectations mm-hmm. for other things, that all by itself is mm-hmm. a clear marker. Don't go there run away. Yes. In particular too, with the special giftings element, cause you've got mm-hmm. some of these people coming up with, you know, they have a specific anointing. So we're talking about how to tell NAR is uh-huh. coming in. There's an obsession with the term anointing. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to be anointed and you have to decree and declare certain things. That's mm-hmm. another one that I'm hearing everywhere. Mm-hmm. You're decreeing and declaring. You can't be well, maybe sort of mm-hmm. type of prayers. Absolutely not. You, you, you're effectively speaking into reality whatever the Lord's going to do for you. Mm-hmm. So it's very, it's all declaration moves. Right. And so, yes, decreeing and declaring special powers by the Holy Spirit in a particular way, like right. what we see right now, which is a, a heavy obsession into deliverance mm-hmm. and healing, that these people have a gifting that's called an anointing. And Yes. Yes. Yes, but then that's, charging money for th- it. that's more language that overlaps. Mm-hmm. So the Bible talks about us being anointed. Um, we, you know, so... You don't turn and run when you hear the word anointing. Nope. <laughs> you don't turn and run when you hear the word prophecy. Nope. Uh, you don't, etc. I guess these... Yes. You uh, turn and run when you hear the word, I am going to anoint you, mm-hmm. and the person who's speaking is a human. Mm-hmm. Then yes. you run. Your okay. anointing comes from the Lord, and it's his determination for those things. Okay. That's between you and the Lord. You do, do not need to have if a If someone says, specific... I'm going to anoint you with oil while no, I pray for you. No, there no, we go. No, so no, no anointing with oil. No, uh-huh. no anointing in a, in a class of, of characteristic. So anointing yes. with oil is, that's something that's ancient. We, we yes. have, we have um, eldership protocols that involve anointing oil with, for healings and hospitals. Yes. Um, and we're explicitly told to do that in scripture. Bring, yes. gather the elders, be anointed. Yes, with... but there's another distinction mm-hmm. too then. These people, the people who were following following Yahweh and by the power of the Holy Spirit went to the location where the sick people were mm-hmm. with anointing oil mm-hmm. to minister to them. Mm-hmm. They did not hold up somewhere specific, say all of y'all who need healing, come to us, mm-hmm. pay us a fee and you can buy our special oil. That's right. There's a difference. That's Do you right. see how hairy this gets? Yes. It's miserable. Mm-hmm. I hate this part. Yes. But it's, it's discernment. That's mm-hmm. where discernment does not fly out of the window yeah. when we're dealing with the Holy Spirit. Yes. He's the one that authored discernment to begin with, mm-hmm. which I would like to point out is a spiritual gifting. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Yes. So, um, 
I, I, what I want to do, I have. To, I feel compelled now. Okay, let's parse it all the way down and give really clear lines, and then we'll always, always know. And I just don't think that's possible because he didn't do that. It's it's the the lines are moving, and the language is is words are being redefined like in real time, mm-hmm. and then there are people who. Now this isn't this isn't logically coherent, but in my experience, there are people who are like maybe a bit nar um, open, and others are like full fledged. <laughs> like there's even there's even um, what am I saying? A spectrum of how engrossed in these ideologies people are, mm-hmm. uh, or how deceived they may or may not be. You might talk to someone who's picked up. A little bit of this language and a little bit, but have no idea about the three streams or the seven mountain mandate mm-hmm. or that anybody's charging for anything, mm-hmm. you know? So what I, I, I'm saying all this to say, I, I don't want you to start dismissing people or just have certain buzzwords that if you hear them, that means they're bad, mm-hmm. but what we can do is be wise. We can be discerning mm-hmm. and, um, we can like really work this out in community too. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to give you a couple, like black and white. Look, if somebody charges you for an exorcism or for that, well, that is a full, like there's a clear line there. Yes. Um, They are frauds. It it won't always be that clear. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have a community. And if you are wondering, okay, is that what, is this what this is as I'm reading this book or watching this program or talking to these people and it's not clear to you, um, then that's what your church family is for. That's what pastors are for. That's what apologists are for. Come and talk to us. Uh, We would love to have that conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have to take it on a case-by-case basis. But I will say this. um, When you're considering these things, teachers are said to be judged doubly by the Lord. And Paul warns that not many of us should become teachers, and that's very important. Mm -hmm. Um, We can be, yes. You're a teacher. (laughs) You should be. You should be quite scared. Uh Um, That's not not fun. Mm -hmm. Um, The reverence needs to be there. It should be self-evident that it's there, hopefully. But the point is, um, focus, if you're concerned, on the people who are already volunteering themselves to be tested in that way. Mm. And there are many, many teachers that are doing that. And that is our duty as Christians to do that. We don't start railing on congregants uh-huh. and people who are picking up books and things like that. We start talking to, if somebody sets them up as, themselves up as a teacher, mm-hmm. claims to be an apostle or a prophet or an apologist or anything, mm-hmm. that's fair game. Mm-hmm. They, are, they will either stand up to the test or they won't. Yeah. And it's okay to test them. Yeah. That's why we'll be studying Jude. Mm-hmm. The forgotten apostle, the, the neglected mm-hmm. apostle from mm-hmm. Roman Catholicism. That's why it's always St. Jude's Children's Hospitals. Mm-hmm. It's because Jude is so excited to hear from somebody because nobody ever reads his book <laughs> that he's particularly prone to answering desperate um, prayers. Huh. That's, the, that's the Romanist position. Uh, Isn't that interesting? That's that why he's always the hospital, the children's wild. hospital guy. I had no idea. Yeah, but yeah, so we're going to be doing a deep dive analysis on Jude. Because yes. he's extremely wise and he could be, he's more articulate than I could ever dream of being. Mm-hmm. And that's at the next Rosh Christian Community Night. That's correct. Which is March 26th. That's correct. 7 p.m. That's it. And you're going to hit this subject all the more. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah. Very good. So <laughs> come join us for that. Um, bring your questions. Bring your questions. Yes. That sounds great. Anna, thank you so much for letting us know what's coming and spending some time trying to parse out a difficult subject. It's always fun talking about all the stuff I already want to talk about anyway. Cool. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much.